Now, today's biggest stories from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk. This is an X's and O's update on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. The Iowa Cubs fell yesterday 13-9 at Principal Park to the Round Rock Express. Cole Hamill's making a rehab start with the I-Cubs. Gave up three earned runs in three innings, recovering from a left oblique strain. Hamill's also allowed three walks and threw only 36 of his 59 pitches for strikes. Iowa football went local for their third commitment of the 2021 class as Urbandale linebacker Jaden Harrell made his commitment to the Hawkeyes. Harrell picked the Hawkeyes over offers from Nebraska and interest from Iowa State, K-State, and Notre Dame. Iowa State football also with a commitment over the weekend as Texas safety prospect Mason Chambers verbally pledges to ISU. Chambers picked the Cyclones over offers from Texas Tech, SMU, and Houston and is the 70th ranked safety in the 2020 class according to 24-7. The Chicago Cubs get back on the winning track after losing the first two till Milwaukee over the weekend. Kyle Schwarber got the Northsiders going with a grand slam early. Schwarber added another later, his 24th of the year, on the call from the Cubs TV network. The Twins offense back at it on Sunday, an 11-1 win against the White Sox, and the Twins jump out to an early lead behind all-star Jorge Polanco. A high fly right center field going back is Angle. That ball is gone. 2-0 Twins in the blink of an eye. The call from Fox Sports North as Polanco goes deep for the 16th time this year. One of four home runs in the game for Minnesota. The state baseball tournament continues today from Principal Park. Class 2A quarterfinals, 1.30. It'll be Des Moines Christian against Central Lee Donaldson. And at 7 o'clock tonight, it'll be Van Meter facing off against Underwood. On Wednesday, we'll bring you play-by-play as Dowling Catholic faces Southeast Polk, 11 a.m. with the first pitch. Stay up to date at KXNO.com and all day on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios, you'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. Sports Radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Girl, please excuse me. All right, welcome back. Hour number two. What's behind this? This is Iglesias. Yes! The comedian or the singer? No, the, the singer. By the way, went crazy. Here's the good news. If you didn't win the tickets, who won the tickets? Uh, Chad Hay is our Chad winner. Chad Hay, boy, Chad. Uh, Murph and Andy have tickets tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We have tickets on Wednesday. Correct. Murph and Andy have tickets on Thursday. And on Friday, we will give away the final pair. So if you didn't get in today, Murph and Andy, Tuesday, Thursday. Trent and I have... Tickets Wednesday and Friday. Buy a Mars is the song I'm thinking. Or oh, something you like, like that? that? Yeah, that one sounds good. Yeah, with the guitar. In you it. were That's, you were singing. I was during the break. That one got you going. You know that song there though, right? I don't know that one. No, 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 don't know that one. But that's okay. No, don't. Anyways. <laughs> Uh, not this guy, though. Not Enrique. No, this is Gabriel. Gabriel, the, the comedian. comedian. Yes. Anyways, and those are the tickets that we will have. And Murph, will Andy, Murph and Andy will have Tuesday, Thursday, Trent and I with another pair. Wednesday and Friday uh, at the State Fair on the 14th of August, 8 o'clock. Pumped up for the State Fair, are you? I don't know if I'll make it well, this year. your wife's going to yes. give birth the following week. So. Right. She is the one that normally pushes it. Mm-hmm. 
in fact, now that I think about it, it might be a solo mission. Ella and I might just go. I might just take her. You're not going to be walking around in the heat and the ridiculousness that can be the Iowa State Fair. You stay home. Take care of yourself. I'll take the little one, and we'll do the rides. Daddy-daughter thing. We'll get a corn dog. We'll call it a day, and then we'll get out of there. boy, Good move there. Yes. All right, let's get into this list, Trent, uh, just for a couple of minutes. Again, Dylan Mons in 10, Scott Dockerman in 30 from The Athletic. We'll do Iowa State and uh, Iowa. Both had some recruiting scores over the week. And by the way, with the Hawks, the kid from Ankeny, uh, the receiver, that uh, the really good athlete, also the pitcher. Brody Breck. Brody Breck. Saw some of the quotes from after his visit mm-hmm. uh, on the weekend at Iowa. He's certainly not ready to commit. Sounds like he's got some options. He does. And because of baseball, I know that is going to be part of it. He does have an Iowa baseball offer also. Mm-hmm. So a decision to make there, what he's going to do. He throws in the mid to upper 80s already as a sophomore. Mm. He's a six foot four receiver. Mm. He's got great speed. He He's going to have certainly a lot of options there and you know, Tom Caker told us his family, they grew up Hawkeye fans. Right. You would like to think that that would give them the lead in the clubhouse. And but... it normally feels like Ankeny as a whole leans more towards the north there. So I was I surprised know, to hear Rodell that. found his way to that Iowa City. That is very City. true. Good call there. Yeah. And there's been a couple of Centennial kinds guys that have mm-hmm. been over there recently. Yep. So Schlicker the kicker found yes. his way to Iowa City. So uh, interesting. This will be a fun one to watch. I, I don't know if he's going to be a quote-unquote national recruit that's going to have offers from Notre Dame and Michigan and those kind of places, but... The baseball's got us just salivating. If he throws that, he's a sophomore. Yes, you, you would have to think in good size uh-huh. to go along with it. So, it's going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on. I like these local ones, and Iowa did get a local kid over the weekend, yes, too. Yes, they did from Jane Urbandale, Harrell. right? Yeah. Uh, so, have you called any of his games? Yep, called him. Uh, he played a little bit as a freshman, played as a starter last year as a sophomore. Good player. You know, Urbandale, not... At high level. They're not at the Dowling Valley Southeast Polk level last year when Polk made the run. Had a pretty good receiver a few years ago. They did, yeah. Alan Lazard, absolutely. But they were really good those seasons, Uh too. But he, as a sophomore, he didn't stand out. You could see the athleticism. A little bit undersized still, especially a linebacker playing at the 4A level here. But you could tell. Special athleticism, sideline to sideline, really good. And he just completed his sophomore year. This is just so crazy how quickly... These guys come through and they get evaluated and making these decisions already. Still got two more years of high school. Unbelievable. Left. Does does high school football start three weeks or four weeks from Friday? Week one. Week zero is a couple of schools. Yeah, right? there's a couple of games. Yeah. A lot of eight player games are, are that week. That'll be the twenty third. The official kickoff. Oh, it's, so launch, it's not. Though. It's not till the uh, the last weekend in August. I it didn't is realize the thirtieth. That. That'll be week one. That is when. Uh, our coverage will begin here on KXNO right. with. And is uh, that the later show. a little bit? A little bit. Yeah. I think it is because I was anticipating it'd be the twenty third. So was I, and it was going to be a little bit more difficult. But as I was putting together our game of the week schedule, I found thirtieth is week one. So you, uh, there's going to be, a, of course, the scoreboard show will be yes. here. Joe Stacy's going to anchor that. Mm-hmm. I believe Josh Luffelholz is a part of it. Sean Roberts uh, is part of it, and then you are going to be out working for the uh, Tarpies. CISN. CISN, right. And then the game of the week will be broadcast delayed till 10.30, replayed at 10.30 on KXNL. Yep, we'll uh, have the game of the week, so we'll see the big ones, of course, Dowling Valley, Ankeny, Ankeny, Centennial, lots of other great games throughout the year. We'll go through 10.30 right after the scoreboard show wraps up. Maybe you're driving home for a game, Mm -hmm. or you're just interested how it played out. We'll have the play-by-play right afterwards, 10.30 of our game of the week, where I'll be calling the game 
and uh, I'll be bouncing around, hitting basically everybody across Central Iowa. Good. You've got some city schools in there, do you? Yep. Got Lincoln in there once. Do you have Roosevelt, the Rough Riders? I'll be there. In fact, week nine, they have a big matchup right at the end of the season that could be a playoff matchup there. So make my way over to Drake Stadium and uh, get to see Mitch Moore, who we met yes. about a month and a half ago, Anxious I guess it was. to see how he does. Yeah, I was in with, uh, with Tavian Banks and yep. Tim Dwight. Really high-energy guy, a guy that if there's somebody that can turn around a city school and get them at it, playing at a high level, that's a guy I'd be putting my money on. He was really impressive when he was here with us. Absolutely. A, a, a former assistant at uh, Iowa State. So, oh, well, good. Uh, high school football at 30th. We'll have plenty of coverage, whether it be the uh, scoreboard show with uh, Lawful Holtz and Stacy and Roberts or the uh, replay of the game of the week at 1030. All right, Trent, uh, real quick on this. We spent some time in the first hour on it. Again, the NCAA, NCAA.com came out with their first list uh, of the season, not coaches, not the AP. It's an NCAA.com effort. Uh, Ohio State 3 was the first one that, as I worked my way 1 through 25, Clemson Alabama 1 and 2, you can go back and forth. Although, I, I, if I had to pick, I would pick Clemson 1, Alabama 2. But Ohio State, look, I don't think that they're going to win the East, Trent, and I wouldn't be a bit surprised if they lose a couple of football games. As we were talking about last hour, this is one guy's opinion. The guy's name, Wayne Stats, is the one that came up with and this And what's list. his background? How did he get to NCAA.com? Do you know? Got hired as a writer, I'm going to guess. Just like Andy Katz, I'm going to... But Katz had a name, at least. He did. Maybe we don't know Wayne Stats. S-T-A-A-T-S. He's on, let's see, he works for Turner. That is his full-time gig. Looking at his Twitter account right now. Worked for Land of Ten. You remember Land of mm-hmm, Ten with Scott Dockerman, yep. who is over there, along with Bobby Legess, who's now working That's in the right, yeah. in the corporate world. After uh, that one went belly I'm up. I'm surprised Land of Ten was as short-lived as it was. Didn't get the advertising no. that they needed. No. That was the thing, because they knocked it out of the park. They did. They, they did some good work. They had some good writers. The website was good. It was clean. Um, but look, the athletic is the model that everybody's going to pat themselves after. If, if there is another athletic out there, I'm not sure there's enough writers yeah. to go around. Um, Ohio State 3, is that the, was that the first to you kind of head scratcher? What certainly was to me. Well, I went backwards. And because oh, you of started that, at 25? I, yeah, that, that, that was one that I kind of, I was getting into the, Eight nine range. I said, "Okay, where's Ohio State? Yeah. Where's Ohio? Where's Ohio? Are they not ranked? That's where I went before I anticipate they'd be third. Way too high. Way too high. I, I think it's way too high. The other one, um, Michigan State at twenty two. They're going to be better than that. I think Michigan State's got a chance to. Do they have a chance to win the? I don't think that they will. Uh, obviously, the in state battle is going to be a massive. It's a big every year, but Michigan, Michigan State. I think Michigan State's got a chance to be the second best team in the East. Look at that road schedule. Let me look. Get, get out your Phil Steele. Yeah, well, get out the magnifying glass. <laughs> <laughs> and let's go. Look at this. We've talked about the Iowa road schedule a lot. This All right, summer. Michigan State is at Northwestern, at Ohio State Gulp, at Wisconsin, at Michigan, at Rutgers. Okay, so four of the five roadies. Pretty tough. So do they get through that two and two, those four difficult ones, and beat the Buckeyes? Or was the Buck? Uh, they'll beat Wisconsin. They will beat, oh boy, that's In Camp trend. Randall? You know, and we, another thing, we talk a lot about Iowa struggles with Northwestern. Michigan State, they have those same struggles. I was talking to a Michigan State guy when we were in Chicago. I said, you guys complain about it all the time. Michigan State's had the same kind of issues that they've had historically. 
against Pat Fitzgerald and this Northwestern team. So last year, when Northwestern beat them twenty nine to nineteen. Year before that, Northwestern beat them thirty nine thirty one. Year before that, Northwestern beat them fifty four to forty. Wow, you're not kidding. So uh, they won their last three. Um, the road schedule. Yeah, difficult. Lewerke healthy. We both Huge are difference. big Lewerke fans. Yeah. We were buying in last year. That bounce back year after the disappointing year. I can buy it, but you have to look at that road mm-hmm. schedule. Can they win the division at 7-2? and two? Yes. Tiebreaker goes their way? Yes, I can buy that. They're not doing it at 8-1 or 9-0. I don't going. I don't think so. I think that's asking a lot. Uh, Wisconsin at 16 was a head-scratcher to me. Yes. I, I think Wisconsin might be the second worst team. They may finish ahead of Illinois. And that's it. And that's it. In the West. In the West. Wouldn't surprise me either. Their schedule, the way it shakes out, not exactly easy. I see them more in that four and five, five and four range than I do seven and two range that we're talking about here to win the Big Ten West this year. I don't see that. That that one didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Nebraska twenty. It's it's the I I don't I mean they're coming off a of four and eight. I like that more than the teens that we sure. Sure, if you they're going to be in there, there. Okay, okay, all right, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I would flip flop uh, Texas and Oklahoma because I think Texas is going to beat Oklahoma. I do. Well, I, you might be right. I also believe that Texas is going to have three losses this year, so they're more in the teen range for me, thirteen to seventeen, kind of where I see Texas at the end of the regular season. Will that be enough? Mm. I think LSU gets them in Austin. I think they lose in Ames, and there's one other loss in there, be it Oklahoma or somebody else. You know who's not in the, on this list is my Black Knights. Army, no. not included in no. the top 25. Watch out for this Army squad, I'm telling you. Uh, Dylan Montz joins the program next. Ames Tribune will talk Iowa State with Dylan Miller and Condon until noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. This is Iowa State Athletics Director Jamie Pollard, and you're listening to Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, Miller and Con in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Iowa State Media Days uh, coming up this Thursday, starting at 1015 on Thursday. Dylan Montz will be a part of the assembled media at uh, up in Ames, covering Media Days. He joins the program right now. Uh, Dylan, Trenton, Ken, how are you, Dylan Montz? Your life's about to change, but uh, I'm guessing you're not complaining, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's good to be with you guys, and uh, any and all freedom I'm, uh, I'm going to have is going to be gone for the next, uh, what is it, four or five months, but um, it's it's always great to get back to this time of year where we can get into football. No no doubt about it. So in the past, the, the first practice of the year has been open, at least for a, t- a period of time, to the media. Will you guys get to see them practice on Thursday? You know what? Actually, the the presser will be on Thursday, and then on Friday is the first time we'll actually get out there and oh, good. get to see them practice. And in the past, they've done split practices, so um, they kind of intermingle some of the younger guys with the older um, in the morning, and then they'll come back in the afternoon with the other half of the team, and, and they're going to do the same this year. So there will be a contingent in there uh, in the morning and, and then again in the afternoon, and I, I plan on going to both. So it'll be kind of interesting to see some of the guys um, that we've maybe heard a lot about but yep. haven't haven't gotten to watch a ton yet. What do you think the big talking point will be on, on Thursday? Will it be expectations? I would have to think as, as much as anything, that's going to be the question that seems to you know, come up maybe in different forms uh, a couple of times. Uh, that, that's, is that the biggest talker or am I missing one? 
Yeah, that's probably going to be it. Um, I think uh, expectations was kind of the overarching thing when I came to Iowa State down at Big 12 Media Days in Dallas. And then probably the local media will hit it again. But I think it's, um, you know, it's that. It's replacing running back kind Mm of, uh, you know, where they see that battle going, who's going to slide in at wide receiver to complement Tariq Mill and the Deshante Jones. Um, What does the secondary look like? Um, uh, You know, what what is the punter situation going to shake out to be like with Corey Dunn going down injury, a place kicker? So really just kind of probably the overarching deal will be expectations and then kind of some of the intricacies of of maybe what depth looks like at some of those uh those key positions so take us behind the curtain here a little bit dylan as as you're getting ready for this now you're becoming a seasoned veteran at these these uh, media days are there particular guys particular moments that you're going for and i know a lot of times you'll see those friday articles that come out for you and they're more big picture more broader are you working on some things that you're going to start rolling out in September, October, November, some pieces that at least you can get a jump on here? Yeah, uh, the way I use media days usually is to go after assistant coaches and, and some of the players maybe that aren't going to be in the big groups because it's nice to get that little bit of a jump in, in Dallas to start formulating some storylines. And then um, the Ames Tribune does a special tab section for um, – uh, for football season, we'll do one for high school football and then one for college. And um, the one for Iowa State will come out the the Sunday before the first game. So it kind of, um, you know, I, I try to go into deep, deep kind of, uh, you know, subjects with um, some different things on the team, some different guys, positions. Um, and, and that's kind of what I start to, to really do at Media Day because it, it's obviously helpful to have a couple colleagues there with me, which I will on Thursday. But yeah, I kind of try to steer clear of the big groups and, and try to uh, make my way around to a bunch of different people. I know Brock Purdy was off limits. The freshmen are off limits, uh, and they will be, I'm assuming, again on Thursday. So you'll get an opportunity. You already have, uh, when the calendar turned to January this year, you had your first opportunity uh, to speak with him. Have you guys had a chance to, to, to talk to Mike Rose? I would be you know, anxious to... You know, to get his take on on uh, life in the Big Twelve as a true freshman, and then what he anticipates it's going to look like. You know, with those I want thirteen games, I guess, including the bowl game behind him. Have you guys spoken to Mike Rose yet? Yeah, he was actually available in this uh, special availability with Brock Purdy uh, back in January, and then uh, I think he was one of the guys that stopped over with the linebacker group during spring ball. So uh, just a couple quick sessions with him, but. Uh, he's kind of like uh, Purdy in the sense of, you know, he's a well-spoken kid, um, got a lot of experience last year, um, but he's he's not kind of resting on his laurels. I think that was kind of the thing that he brought up more than any um, in the other times that he talked was, um, you know, he had to kind of grind grind for things, especially coming out of high school um, when he was committed to Ball State, didn't have any Power 5 offers, and then Iowa State came calling. Um, and lo and behold, he ends up starting 13 games at middle linebackers. So I think it's kind of uh, a thing where he, he, he's had to kind of work for things and, and recognizes that the, the, there's still so much out there for him to be able to do. So um, he, he's like Purdy in that sense. You know, uh, the, these young guys coming in, Will McDonald, we've talked about him a lot here recently. The Bruce Feldman article a couple of weeks back, I, I think, jump-started that. A guy moving from defensive line to linebacker, a move you just don't see very often, but as you go, some of the young names that you'll have a chance, the guys that redshirted last year outside of McDonald, are there a couple that you're keeping an eye on, a couple of youngsters that maybe have been forgotten? A lot of times that happens. You redshirt and people forget about you. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, there's going to be probably a few names that I go hit. Um, Sean uh, Shaw. The, 
Sean Shaw is going to be one. Joseph Skates is going to be one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Trevor Downing, I think, is going to be another one. He was the guy that was talked about um, as much as any of the newcomers last year. And the offensive line, obviously, is something we've talked about a ton when I've stopped on the show. And, um, you know, have, having that depth now and guys that may be young but pushing for spots to potentially start, whether it's um, at the early part of the season or down the road, is huge. So kind of maybe how Trevor Downing managed um, his first year when he did redshirt and then being able to come in and push for a spot because, um, you know, even think back to his recruitment, how many power five schools were in on him and um, being a guy that was talked about even during fall camp last year, um, how, how he's kind of managed all that and, and what he thinks he could do or provide to the, the line this year. You know, Joseph Skates is a kid that uh, we've been talking a lot about him and never seen him. Might he be one of those guys this year, Dylan, that uh, – that every oh yeah, remember that he got all those expectations, and it looked like maybe he wouldn't be at Iowa State, and uh, here he is, and he stuck it out. Might he be that guy that you know when we look back on this season that not came from nowhere, uh, but after a you know that he was kind of out of sight, out of mind in uh, in his true freshman year that just explodes uh, in his redshirt freshman year. Might he be that guy? Yeah, I think he has all the capabilities to be, um, and he has really good size too at six two and one ninety six. So he's um, he's obviously not the size of a Hakeem Butler or Alan Lazard, but he's a really good body type for an outside receiver. Can really uh, turn it up the field and go. And I think at one point he was uh, he might still be the highest rated signee that Matt Campbell has oh. ever had as a head coach. So uh, the, the talent was always there. Uh, it was just trying to get get all his ducks in a row with off-the-field things. And, and I think last year there were several wake-up calls for him in, in terms of that. But I think um, right now he's, he's kind of um, you know poised to come in and, and be a contributor because, like I said, the, that's a spot they're going to be looking for guys to come out and make plays. And Sean Shaw will be a guy like that who is a little bit more of a Keen Butler, Alan Lazard body type. But uh, they're going to try and, and run out a bunch of different guys there. And, and I wouldn't be surprised at all to see skates pop off this year. Dylan, we continue to see the Texas pipeline uh, popping up, including San Antonio, the third different player now from San Antonio to commit as they pick up a safety commitment, Mason Chambers. What can you tell us uh, that you know about the latest from down south? Yeah, he was a really, um, you know, we might have talked about it on the show before, how important that the Alamo Bowl was just to create um, enhanced visibility down there and um, you know, Mason Chambers is, is a nice get. He's from the, the San Antonio area. He's six foot, 190 pounds of safety. So, um, pro- providing some more reinforcements over the top there. But, um, I think he, he plays really physical. And, um, uh, again, is, is, it's almost like one of those things. If you get a Midwest kid, they can help pull in other, other kids from the area. And, um, that's kind of what they've done with, uh, the three guys coming from San Antonio. It's Daniel Jackson. Uh, the wide receiver being the one right before uh, Chambers to commit. Are there any more down there? <laughs> uh, yeah, um, there's a there's a couple more. I think that they could get other names on. I'd have to kind of go through my list and and see for sure. But um, yeah, I think that could be a pipeline and and get them back into Texas. And obviously, they play down there a couple times a year, so it's a, an opportunity for those guys to be a little bit closer to home. Too. Who who's the main recruiter of that area? Do you know? Or do they? I'm sure they assign. Uh, different states or different you know sections or whatever of the country. Who's the who's the guy that's uh, that's uh, been able to mine that area? Yeah, I think um, Nate Shieldhouse was the primary on um, on Chambers. So I think uh, his connections in the Kansas City area. Um, he's drifted over into Illinois a little bit, and then I think he's gotten into Texas too. But he's kind of 
Um, you know, if you had to peg a guy right now to be their ace, it'd probably be Nate Shieldhouse, which um, makes sense. He's a younger guy, relates well to those guys, and is a good relationship builder. And every time I've talked to him, um, you can tell why he'd be able to connect with people. So um, uh, he, he's kind of a little bit of everywhere right now. Uh, there's a guy that's uh, third on the depth chart right now, um, Tony Spears, and I'm actually going to dig pretty deep. He's behind Braxton Lewis, who you know we saw play all the all those games last year, uh, and he's in a fight with Bickham. Um, who and that's a transfer, right? Yeah, yeah. It's from uh, Rice. Rice, right, right, the Rice transfer. But then below them is a kid who just love his size at, at, at strong safety. Tony Spears, 6'3", 200 pounds. I read an article over the weekend. Uh, uh, Brandon Albaugh wrote it at Cyclone Fanatic, just some of the weight gains uh, from some of the kids on the roster. Tony Spears put on a bunch of weight. Do you know anything about him? He's certainly size-wise, and he's a redshirt freshman. Looks as though he fits the part. What do you know, if anything, about him? Yeah, uh, he's he's kind of a guy that's gone a little bit under the radar, and obviously he's still young as a retro freshman. But I think the thing with Spears is he can kind of come in and, and at least give you some depth, and that's another thing. Like I said, they were looking at what wide receiver, what kind of bodies they can throw out there. Uh, because, you know, that's that's going to be a physical position the way they use it. Greg Eisworth is going to be in there and getting physical. Beckham is physical. Uh, Braxton Lewis, obviously, we know how physical he is. But Torrey Spears is a guy, I think, like you mentioned, with good size, uh, 6'3 and 200 pounds he's listed at. So um, having having a guy, especially over the top, um, you know, that can uh, – if you have smaller corners, that can create a little bit of a um, – you know, it can ward off maybe some of the the one on one matchups with tight ends or, or whatever the case may be. Um, it, it's it's a big plus. So I think you could see him in there quite a bit. And uh, again, uh, probably um, encouraging that you can have some of those younger guys come in because they need some. Like I said, the, the depth is is important. Well, probably special teams of nothing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. a good spot right, there. Right. Yeah, and and yeah, absolutely. I think. Um, you know, the special teams, that's how Marcel Spears got his start, too. He started on all four special teams units and then was able to grow into a role on defense. So um, that's kind of how they like to at least um, get guys to wait in a little bit and, and get their feet wet. Are they related? Not, no, gotcha. I don't think so. Just the same, Dave. Hey, final thing for you. Have you got the ear of your boss over there, Travis Hines, and said, you know, David Montgomery continues to turn heads. Maybe a trip, go to Bourbon A, a trip to Chicago for the weekend. Have you talked Heinze into letting you do that yet? Not yet. I'm still trying to formulate my pitch a little <laughs> bit, but it's not a bad drive. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, can get something to work out down well, the road. Congratulate him on changing his own spark plugs. Yeah, yeah. So butter him up a little bit because he was pretty yeah, proud he's a real of himself. Man, a real man. That's now. what he called yeah, himself yeah, yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's big time adulting right there. <laughs> apparently, it is. I, and apparently, I haven't reached adulthood yet. I wouldn't even know where to look for him. Uh, we will, uh, Dylan. We're going to try and uh, double dip you this weekend. It's that time of year this week, rather. Uh, we'll I'll, I'll reach out to you and see if uh, the the two practices will allow you at least you know five or ten minutes to jump on with us on Friday and tell us what you've seen. Thank you, Dylan. It's a wonderful time of year. Appreciate what you do for it. Read Dylan and Travis and everybody at AimsTrib.com. Ames Tribune is where you can read Dylan Moss as he covers Iowa State football. Thank you, pal. Yeah, thanks as always for having me, guys. Good to talk to you. Dylan Montz, Ames Tribune. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic on the Hawks next. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. 1460 KXNO. Streaming live from coast to coast on iHeartRadio, this is 1460 KXNO.
Aaron Kahn in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, taking you until noon. Scott Dockerman momentarily uh, asking you to tune in tomorrow morning at 7.30 or stay tuned in at 7.30. Stay in your car if you happen to get to work. As uh, the morning rush, right in the middle of their uh, 7 o'clock hour, uh, a huge event is coming at the end of September, and all the details will be unveiled tomorrow at 7.30 on 1460 KXNO. Tomorrow morning, 7.30, a special announcement. Be there. Have to be. Not sure if it's local, if it's national, but like... The rest of the audience, we'll find out tomorrow at 7.30. Let's find out what's going on with the Hawkeyes. He's Scott Dockerman. Uh, he covers the Hawks uh, for The Athletic, and he joins the program. Hello, Doc. How are you? I am well on this wonderful Monday. How about yourself? Doing the same. Doing just fine. Thank you very much. Uh, liked your offensive preview and really liked the way that you did it when you went from the position groups, ranked from most stable to most uncertain, and clearly the quarterback with a third-year starter, a senior quarterback, uh, would be uh, as stable as they would come. Running back at number two, that was the one that made me think a little bit, Doc. And, you know, you went all the way through uh, to, to what, five was your final? That was the tight ends at five. A uh, fullback at five, tight ends would be six. So two with the running back. Seems to be some uncertainty. We think that there's some uh, some players there and maybe going to rely on some young players. But the uncertain, or the certainty, rather, second highest for you at the running back position. What's the thought process there, Doc? You know, of the uh, of the the groups that immediately followed that one, uh, offensive line and, and wide receiver, there are players with higher higher ceilings than what you find at running back, but you have every running back returning. Mm-hmm. And there is an expectation that they'll get better. I think they will. They were all three sophomores last year. Uh, when you look at Makai Sargent, he arrived in June, and really you didn't know where to line up in a lot of cases and didn't know where to go. And and I think there was a lot of uh, growth over the course of the season with him. Uh, so I think that, that you see a unit that's going to get better. And then you throw an influx of a couple of true freshmen who have an opportunity to play right away in Shadrick Bird and, and Tyler Goodson. I think this, uh, that, that position group has nowhere to go but up. I'm not suggesting that there is a uh, first-round draft pick like you see a tackle or Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some really talented, skilled players at wide receiver. But I think stability-wise, it's as stable as it gets. Everybody's back. So you can't really ask for more than that. Now, offensive line, that the reason why I didn't put it higher, yes, Alaric Jackson and Tristan Wirfs are the, probably the two best players on offense. Uh, but the interior offensive line was part of the reason why the running game didn't succeed last year. And they've got some new players there. And then likewise, a wide receiver, Everybody seems to be forgetting Nick Easley. I mean, he only led the team in That's catches right. the last two years. So I, I think there's some, you know, when you when you look at, he had more catches than Brandon Smith and Smith Marset had combined. So I, I think there's some question marks there. So that's that's why I put running back higher than both. To the offensive line and digging a little bit deeper here. You know, so much was made last year of the running backs, their inability to have a hundred yard rusher. What they had to wait to the Illinois game before they finally got that. But you also couple it with. Those tackles last year were really good, but they're really good in pass protection. That's where they graded out incredibly high, I know, at Pro Football Focus. But the run blocking had something left to be desired, and now you're replacing the inside of that. How much better do those tackles need to be, in your mind, in the run game? And and should more maybe be placed instead of the running backs 
on that offensive line for some of the struggles they had running the football last year? It should be placed on the interior part of the offensive line. And in run game, uh, Both obviously the tight ends were outstanding, which is why they're outstanding now in, in the NFL training camps. Uh, and I think both tackles were very, very good. Alec Jackson graded as one of the best in the country in run block and only gave up two sacks. And Tristan Wirfs uh, was a little bit mixed, but not bad in, in run blocking uh, and certainly hadn't gave up no sacks. So I think what you looked at in a lot of cases was with Iowa's inside zone and, and with their stretch play were, were missed reach blocks by in, interior offensive linemen in a lot of cases where they just couldn't get to the second-level linebackers or their tempo was too fast and the linebackers were able to kind of dart between, uh, you know, seams there in, in the in the stretch play. Now, you know, and, and against Mississippi State, you're going up against one of the one of the best I've ever seen in Jeffrey Simmons. He was unbelievable. Unreal. He was going to blow up everybody. Brandon Sheriff would have been his only matchup that I can remember. But, uh, but that said, I, I think that they're okay there. It's just a matter of, can Tyler Linderbaum come in and solidify center, even though he's only a freshman? Is he going to be good? Is he, He's definitely quicker uh, than his predecessor. He's just got to make sure he gets there faster. And then will the guards show some growth? If that's the case, then I think the running game will, will get better, even if they don't have an elite running back. They're certainly raving about Linderbaum. Uh, they're saying all the right things when he makes a transition from defense to offense. Uh, I love the story about the uh, the prowess that he had in the wrestling room. Uh, guy's got some, uh, he's got a little bit of st- uh, nasty to him, I think, which uh, certainly goes a long way in the middle of that offensive line. So, Doc, Trent and I were, were throwing this around last week. Uh, is this Iowa offense going to be built to be... You know, if they get in a shootout, we don't necessarily anticipate that they will because I think we all feel that the defense is going to be pretty stout. But let's say that they do. Is this an offense that, you know, can score 31, 35 points in a game, or is that asking an awful lot out of this group? I think they can. And last year, you know, they had one of the highest uh, points per game uh, finishes that they've ever had under Kirk Ferentz. And granted, you're taking away two elite-level tight ends, uh, but I, I do think that there will be some growth at receiver. I, I, I look at the tight ends now, Nate Weeding and, and Sean Byer, and I don't. I see a drop off, and that's going to happen no matter who steps in there. But I don't see a colossal crater. I think both of them are pretty good players. I think they re- remind me of some other ones Iowa's had who were good. You know, maybe they won't be, you know, all Americans, but they, they'll be upper half of the Big Ten, which isn't bad. And and I, I think they could, they're capable of competing and getting in a shootout because they've got an, a, a quarterback who can swing it, and they've got receivers now who are veteran enough to know where to go and the nuance of the position, and, and they've got a couple of running backs who can make plays out of the backfield. So uh, that's not the style that they prefer, obviously. They want to they want to grind it out, and yeah, they'll score points. <laughs> it doesn't matter, but they want to protect their defense. But uh, I, I do think that they have the capabilities to score points if necessary. Speaking of that tight end position, we, we talk about the guys that are returning with Byron Weeding. We've, we've talked about them a lot. How about the true freshman coming in? Probably, well, we're not talking about a guy that's going to get 30, 35 snaps a game, but at least some kind of maybe vertical threat, something like that, or a guy that can help out in the run game. What do you see? They brought in three tight ends. It sounds like Logan Lee, though, is going to start on the defensive side of the football. With Miaman and Laporta, any early indication if either of those guys can give Iowa something at the tight end position as a freshman? My guess is absolutely not. I mean, I think maybe they'll they'll try to get them on the field and play some special teams. Mm-hmm. 
But, uh, you know, there's not the necessity that there was with Noah Fant in 2016 where they had to get him on the field, uh, you know. But now I, I do think they'll play a little bit, but I can't see them lining up in line and do it any kind of blocking. Uh, maybe they'll be in space, but they're better at receiver than they were then. So they'll go more three wide. So Beaman or Laporta might be on, uh, you know, a kick return unit. I could see them wanting to get them in the game a little bit just because next year in 2020 they'll be needed. But, you know, I think they go, they're nice three deep. Uh, you know, I, I like Bayer a lot. I think he is very much an athletic caliber tight end in the same vein as a, as a George Kittle. You know, at Iowa, and, mm-hmm. you know, I think Nate Weeding is kind of a, you know, he's been compared to, to Krieger Koble. I kind of compare him to Alan Reisner, and that, that those are nice players. Brandon Myers. And uh, and Drew Cook, we've overlooked, and he's a fifth-year guy, but a pretty good athlete, a big guy. This is his time, I think. Yep. So I think they're pretty solid there. But I do agree that they do want to get, get him on the field, just maybe not in an important situation, because they've got enough receivers now to where they don't need them to play the way they needed Fant in 2016. NCAA.com, Doc, came out with its uh, its top 25. Um, if we hadn't seen that before. We, we Trent and I both think it's the first time, and I mean, if, if it's not, it's escaped us. But the reason I bring it up, there are four Big Ten West teams that are mentioned uh, in, in the NCAA.com's top 25. And in order of you know best to worst as they see the top four, they've got it Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska, and Northwestern. As the four teams in the out of the Big Ten West that that crack their top twenty-five, I mean, thoughts? I mean, I, Wisconsin sixteen, and they they see them as the best the the best team in the Big Ten West. Where out of those four, how many did they get right? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I, I look at all of them differently. I would say Wisconsin. The schedule does not play out very well for them, and they do have some people they need to replace. They have a dynamic running back, and, you know, even offensive linemen, they've got to replace four. You know, they're kind of a factory there, so I don't think there'll be a tremendous drop-off. I think 16 might be a little rich for them. Northwestern schedule is just murderers row. I I can't imagine that they're going to be in the rankings by, you know, midseason, you know, and if they are, then, and uh, that's the most impressive season that anybody at Northwestern had, including 95, mm. uh, because they just have just so many, uh, you know, games back-to-back. I think it's, uh, you know, five. They could, they could start off like 0-5 in the Big Ten and be a good team. And Nebraska's schedule is advantageous. They've got a great offense. I question their defense still and their physicality. I, I think Iowa's the best team. Uh, the schedule is also a challenge for them. I would probably flip Iowa with, uh, Wisconsin. Sure. I'd probably put I'd put Nebraska probably where Iowa is, and I'd add Minnesota. So would I. Minnesota, you know, going to be a very good team. They have a great group of running backs, and they also have the most dynamic receiver nobody's talking about in Tyler Johnson. No I think question. he is going to be a fantastic receiver. Yeah, they got some other guys there too. Here's the five games in the Big Ten you're talking about for Northwestern. You're right, Doc. They could start zero and five. Home to Michigan State, tough at Wisconsin. Okay, winnable at Nebraska, home to Ohio State, home to Iowa. That could be zero and five. You'd probably sign for two and three in a heartbeat. Right, and then they open up against Stanford. Stanford, you right? Know, as a non-conference game. So, I mean, in the way they've usually opened the season, they haven't played very well. So, you're looking at potentially what one and six, mm-hmm. and and not being a bad team. You know, so that's the way the schedule. 
kind of plays out, you know, and it, it really matters. It matters when you play teams, and it matters who you play. So you know, when you look at that compared to uh, Nebraska or Minnesota, that's why I think, you know, Northwestern, they might be lucky to get to a bowl game just simply because of that schedule, whereas, uh, you know, Nebraska and Minnesota could be up at nine wins and maybe not even be as good as uh, as Northwestern by the end of the season. Yeah, that's a great point. And they've got a weird schedule, too. UMass is on the schedule in the, on, in the third week of November. That's it. That seems like it should be the an SEC school that does that, right? That's they usually have wedding weekend in the South, and they uh, schedule a cream puff. I wonder if they're replacing somebody that backed out for UMass to show up that mm-hmm. late. I don't know, but just just that, great, great that, point. That was because of that was because of Notre Dame. Was you it? Know, they had Notre. Yeah, last year they had Notre Dame on the schedule, and and so kind of a, a balance. I think they asked off for that weekend or wanted it to be a gotcha. non-conference, so it kind of worked out that way. And didn't you say Notre Dame and uh, Northwestern are playing next year at Wrigley Field? You're trying to come up with a, uh, a Hawkeye-Illinois game at Soldier Field. <laughs> I love the idea, Doc. Uh, but Northwestern, yeah, with, Notre with, Dame, or Wrigley, right? It's Wisconsin-Northwestern uh, gotcha. at uh, on November 7th, and uh, the same day Iowa's playing at Illinois, and you know, I looked it up, and Illinois made less than $7 million in ticket sales uh, in 2018 fiscal year. And, and you think about it, you're like, when I was there last year, it was a tomb. It was, there was nothing there. It looked bad. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, you know, what a way to spice up some things, you know, for Illinois and for Iowa. I mean, Iowa needs some sort of juice, I think, non-conference-wise. It's not going to get it. So, hey, you know, Illinois, why don't we move this to Soldier Field or potentially guaranteed rate field and you know that, i think that'd be kind of fun in some ways which is hey if northwestern and and wisconsin are playing at wrigley maybe iowa and illinois could play at uh you know the old kabiski park uh you know and and have a baseball doubleheader right there in the first weekend in november or shoot maybe even play it on 